Wouldn't you love to pick up a newspaper and be able to look at the headlines and they all say good news? But have you seen the headlines lately? If you have looked at the headlines, whether they're in the news media, print, television, internet, you've seen things such as the tornadoes that occurred in Oklahoma, the tremendous loss of life that occurred at that time. You've seen terrorism, the bombings in Boston, not only there but other places as well. You cannot help but see all the political corruption, whether it's the IRS and their targeting of groups, whether it is the lying of people who have been giving testimony with regards to it, the philandering that takes place by many of our politicians, and then the national debt, as of this past week, was $53,002.94 for each and every one of us. Or you consider the religious scandals that make the headlines. Various individuals from different religious groups are involved in immoral behavior. Or the moral degeneracy that's a part of our society. Uh, if you've watched about what has taken place with the Boy Scouts of America and their acceptance of homosexuals. Or if you have watched and seeing people who just live together outside of the bonds of marriage, it seems as if you and I are constantly being bombarded with bad news. And you know it would be very easy to become cynical about the state of this world. In fact, to become a little bit depressed and to say that there are no good words to be spoken, no, art, no good news. When Jesus came in Luke chapter 7 and verse 31, he said to what will I liken the men of this generation and what are they like? If the Lord were to appear today, would he not also say to what would I liken this generation of people? About 30 years ago, Miss Ann Murray released a song called A Little Good News. A few weeks ago, just by chance, I happened to hear that song on the radio. Rarely listen to the radio anymore, but I happened to hear that. And I thought, how appropriate, 30 years later, we could use a little good news. I thought about how it would be great to have the, the newspaper have a whole paper full of good news or have the television news nightly come on and say, here's what great things people did today. But you know what really dawned on me? Is that's my job. Really, it is. If you go to Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 13, Paul writes, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and then he quotes Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, you see, the truth is this world is full 
of sin. It's full of wickedness. It's full of sorrow. And the real good news is to be delivered by those who are preaching and teaching God's word. This lesson, hopefully, will be one that will be uplifting, be encouraging, and will provide us some words that will help us as pilgrims plodding through this world of sin. This morning, I really want us to study two things. Number one, the gospel is good news. Then number two, what makes the gospel good news? Let's look at it to begin with. The word gospel itself simply means good news. If you go to the Bible, every time you see the word gospel there, you could put good news and that would be an accurate translation. It is a refreshing message. It's one that really gives us some encouragement, some uplifting. In the book of Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 25, Solomon illustrated good news like this. He said, as cold water is to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. Some of you this past weekend likely worked in your gardens. You may have worked in your yards. I'm sure if you did, you built up a sweat. And one of the things that you would love to have at some point, I'd love a good cold drink of water. He said, good news is like that from a far country. It is refreshing. It gets us going. In Proverbs 15 and verse 30, he said, The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. When you hear those good words, it is uplifting, it is encouraging, it is helpful. And what's great is this message of good news is for everybody. It's not just for a special few. When Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the good news to every creature. It's to be announced to everyone because it is for everyone. In Romans 1, verses 15 and 16, Paul says, So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also for the Greek. It's God's power for each and every one. But you see, the gospel itself is inseparably connected to Christ. You cannot have good news without the message of Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me back in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah again, to chapter 52 and verse 7. We just read that together as Brother Shannon read it for us. But you have to see the big picture here. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things. Now notice as he goes on in this, that Paul did not quote, that part of it, who proclaims salvation 
You see, this is a message about being saved. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. What Paul is trying to capture is the thoughts that are found here. The salvation that is provided by God and how that is good news. But you have to keep on reading. And you go all the way to chapter 53. And he begins chapter 53, Lord, who has believed our report. Verses 2 and 3, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of the dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then he goes on to emphasize that by his stripes we are healed. In verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned aside to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, he's our Savior because he is suffering in our place. Is it good news to know that you do not have to suffer and that someone else has taken it for you? Most certainly it is. Looking backwards, when Paul wrote the Galatians, he was trying to point out that God had a plan to save man from the very beginning. And he said in chapter 3 and verse 8, And the Scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, And you, all the nations, shall be blessed. You see, back when God told Abraham, In your seed, talking about Christ coming, chapter 3, verse 15, All the nations of the earth will be blessed. That was good news to Abraham. And it's also good news to us as well. Perhaps the classic passage, though, is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. As Paul is going to focus on the resurrection of man, he has to provide for us the proof for and the substance of the resurrection. And so he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, the gospel message involves Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. All three aspects are very important. His death was for us. The fact that he shed his blood, going back to Isaiah 53, the fact that he suffered for us. His resurrection holds forth for us the hope of, the encouragement of, the fact that we also will be resurrected. And this gospel calls men to enjoy that same glory that Jesus enjoyed being resurrected. In 2 Thessalonians 2.14, 2 
to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God calls each and every one. He extends this good news to each and every one that we can enjoy that. But what makes this gospel so good? You know, there's a, a, a great lesson in the Bible about why the gospel is such good news. And to do that, I want you to focus your attention again on a passage in Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And again, it's in the same kind of context of chapter 52 and chapter 53, chapter 56. Let's look at chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening a prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. As you survey that passage, you will see several aspects of it. There's a release of debt to the debtor. There is freedom to the slave. There is life for the dead. There is health for the sick. And there is happiness for the sad or the downtrodden. For the remainder of our lesson, I'd like for us to go through each of these and to see why the gospel is such good news for us. Let's begin, first of all, with release from debt to the debtor. Being poor is and in debt is really oppressive. Some of you have had to go through this in life, especially those of you who are young. You know what difficulty there is that you have so many things you need and what you have to do, you have to borrow. But you know what the Bible tells us about debt in Proverbs 22, 7? The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a servant to the lender. What he's trying to say is when we are in a situation of debt, we are in a situation of obligation. We owe something to someone else. Because of that, they enjoy a position that is above us. We're under them. We're ruled over by them. Jesus illustrated the idea of debt very well in a passage in Luke chapter 7. I can't read all the way from verses 40 to 50, but I do want to concentrate on verses 40 through 43. Jesus is at the house of a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him four, or 500 denarii and the other 50. And when he had nothing with which, or they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one to whom he forgave more. 
And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Now you think about the debt which you have. Some of you may be privileged not to owe any debt right now. But you think about if someone were to come to you and say, you know the mortgage on your house? That debt's forgiven. You know the money that you owe for your student loans? That money's forgiven. Can you imagine the thought of being forgiven of a great debt? We have to realize that when it comes to sin, you and I have a great debt, and that debt is so large that you and I can't pay it. And when Jesus comes and he brings this message of good news, it is to say to us, your debt is freely forgiven. Folks, that's good news. A debt that I cannot pay, he has freely forgiven. Second illustration that he would use is that of a slave being set free. Now that's very difficult for you and I to comprehend today because we have not grown up in a society where slavery is a part of everyday life. In the first century, slavery was a fact of life. Just a couple of weeks ago, we studied from the book of Philemon. And when we studied from that book, we studied about Philemon and his slave Onesimus, how he owned him. When we studied the book of Colossians and when we studied the book of Ephesians, we studied about masters and slaves. One of the greatest things that people wanted in life who were slaves was to be able to either buy their freedom or be given their freedom. We enjoy it by birth here in our country and by law. But you have to understand, sin is enslaving In John chapter 8, Jesus was in the presence of a number of the Jewish people. And he said to them, beginning in verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you that whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. He's trying to say that the son, Jesus Christ, came to set men free from their sins. Sometimes people don't understand the great burden it is to have sin like a shackle around your neck. That it guides you, it drives you, it enslaves you. But when we read Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, Paul would write, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. 
But God be thanked that though you were the slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You see, sin doesn't have to rule over me anymore. I don't have to let sin guide and direct my life because the Lord has set me free from it. That's good news. The third aspect that the Lord addresses here is life for the dead. One of the great problems that many people struggle with in this life is understanding death and life. And the truth is that death is certain. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24. It's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. But eternal death is not certain. Eternal life is a privilege, is a gift. Listen to John 5 24. Most assuredly, I say to you that he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You and I are born into this world pure and holy. But somewhere along the line, as we become aware of good and evil, we choose to do evil. And in choosing to do evil, we become sinners. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Romans 6 and verse 23. Jesus conquered death for us. In studying the book of Hebrews chapter 2, beginning with verse 15... The writer says, And release those who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, death had a fear for man because if you were living under the situation without Christ and you didn't have forgiveness of sins, death was eternal. For he does not indeed give aid to angels, but he gives aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, and to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are being tempted. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 10, Paul would say, But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Oh, you see the good news in it then. He has brought life through the gospel. Health for the sick. Sickness is just not fun, not very pleasant. Yesterday afternoon, I started having an abscessed tooth. It's not any fun, folks. But you know, as you think about the sickness and the sad affliction, there's some parts of sickness that are even much worse. 
cancer. How many people have been afflicted by this awful disease and had to suffer some terrible uh, treatments for it? Heart disease. I can't tell you how many people who are sitting here in the audience who have either stents or bypasses. Diabetes. How that afflicts the body where people lose limbs and go blind, early death. You see, when you start thinking about sickness, it's, a, it's an awful affliction. But the truth is, we have an affliction much worse than cancer. We have affliction much worse than any heart disease or diabetes or any other disease that you might be able to name. And that disease is sin. And the Bible calls Jesus the great physician because he is able not only to diagnose, but he is able to deliver the cure for it. Listen to Mark 2, 16 and 17. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous to repentance, or but sinners but to repentance. You see, what Jesus is the great physician of is being able to cure the worst disease ever known to man. Then happiness for the sad, for the downtrodden. You know, sometimes we don't think of the great value of happiness and the great sorrow that's in sadness. Sadness generally results from bad circumstances. Things come before us and they're going in the wrong direction. They're unpleasant and we experience sadness because of it. On the night the Lord was betrayed by Judas, I would say that would be a sad night. On that same night in which the Lord was betrayed, he knew that he was going to die the next morning. And he announced that to his disciples. And here's the way he summarized it to them in verse 20 of chapter 16. Most assuredly, I say to you, you will weep. And lament. But the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. It looks bleak right now. It looks bad. But happiness is coming. Philippians 4 and verse 4. From a Roman prison cell Paul wrote... Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. Dropping down to verse 6. Be anxious and in nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. There is joy and happiness for the sad. For those who see life for what it really is, 
this can be a very powerful message. I think about the Lord as he went around preaching the gospel. As the disciples went around preaching the gospel, what kind of people listened? What kind of people did that message resonate with? According to Mark 12, 37, and the common people heard him gladly. You see, the common people could look at life and see it for what it is. All this bad news around us, this news that's being offered is good news. Does this move you? According to Romans chapter 10, verses 15 through 18, not everybody's going to believe this. Paul said, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, the Lord who has believed our report... So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. The sound has gone out into all the earth, and there are words to the end of the world. The gospel has been preached. But not everybody believes it. Not everybody accepts it. It really has to do with the appreciation of it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You hear that message, and to some of us, it's good news. To others, they look at it as foolishness. And the question that we end with is, what will you do with the good news? Will you accept it? Will you obey it? Will you embrace it? Or will you allow the good news to go unheeded? If you'll take your songbooks and turn to the song of invitation, in just a moment or two, we're going to stand and sing this song. And when we do, if you're not a Christian, you need to come forward and be baptized for the remission of your sins because the good news is for you. If you are a Christian and you have let your light go out and you're not walking with the Lord that news can still be good for you but to enjoy the good news you've got to be right with God would you come as we stand inside